So we've been going through a sermon series um, of why we do what we do on Sunday mornings. And what has been really good is I can actually see some of the fruit of the things we've already talked through um, coming to bear. Like I hear more people singing. Um, uh, Andrew, I got some big echo up here, pal. Um, I hear more people singing because we talked about why we are singing I've heard um, more people, even when the public reading of Scripture happens at the beginning of service, a, a reverential kind of um, sitting under that and realizing the spiritual benefits of that. Um, we're getting better on the Our Father, the corporate prayer a little bit. I know we had a few different versions up there, and so we're trying to figure that out. But it's wonderful to see everyone growing. I've even seen people when talking about the importance of Sunday morning services saying, um, getting a new commitment to that, a new growth in that. And there's been so much good happening from this. And I'm thankful for that. I want you to know that I recognize that as one of the pastors here. And it's a wonderful thing to behold. Um, today we're going to talk about something that's maybe foreign to some. Some have never done this. Maybe you look a little funny at the person who does do this. Um, it's lifting your hands during a service. And we're going to add clapping and shouting to it, okay? Now, I understand we're never going to be the, someone's yelling at you from the back row, preach on, brother, church. I understand that we're never going to be the clap rhythm during every single song. I understand that we're a little more reserved as a culture here. So I don't want us to be something we're not. I do not expect Mike to somersault down the aisle with his guitar over his head while playing Hosanna. Like, I know we have a certain personality. What I'm really looking at and looking for and calling us to is there are times when we are compelled by the Holy Spirit to lift our hands and we don't out of fear or maybe even ignorance of not knowing why it's done. There are times we want to clap whether it's we're preaching the gospel or the song really impacted us or we're just revved up because God's grace is so amazing but we don't clap because maybe we don't know um, what it's all about or even if it's fit for church. This is a time that you have a shout in you and you want to just lift it up in victory and maybe you don't because you're hindered by, am I supposed to do this in church? And so today what I want us to hear that in Scripture, all peppered through Scripture, especially in the Psalms, which informs us on how to worship, it says, people of God, lift your hands. People of God, clap your hands. People of God, shout. That's part of the rhythms of the people of God since the inception of the people of God when it comes to worship. And I know that we all have different experiences. Some of us didn't grow up in a church, so we just see someone lift our hands, we're like, oh man, I hope this isn't a crazy church, right? Some of us grew up in a Catholic church where only the priest lifted his hands and no one else really lifted their hands, so that was something that we weren't used to. Some of us grew up in a Pentecostal church where if you didn't lift your hands, you weren't even following Jesus. You better hit the altar, right? We all have different experiences when it comes to lifting our hands, clapping and shouting and I pray today that we grow in understanding it and maximize it. And some of us mature in this spiritual expression that blesses God. I still remember the first time I ever lifted my hands during worship. I was 19 years old. It was actually on the night of my salvation, Halloween night. I was in a youth group. We had our own worship service. And um, 
I fairly felt God drawing my heart, and I, I felt the blessing of God, and I felt he was going to change my life, and I felt he was calling me to express myself by lifting my hands. Now, I had never done it before. And in your teenage years, it's even tougher because you care more than ever what people think about you, especially in a youth group. And so in my heart, it was, I need to disregard anything, what anyone thinks about me. God is doing something in my heart, and he has blessed me so much that I need to reach out, blessing him, adoring him, reaching out for him for help. And when I did that, it was such a transformative moment in my life. What I didn't realize, not only was it a transformative moment in my life, I can't comprehend how much it blessed God. When we're called, as we're going to read from today, the psalm, it says, people of God, come and bless God. And we're going to unpack that a little bit. What does it mean for the people of God to come and bless God with spiritual expressions of worship that move our Father's heart? So we're going to tackle that today. If you turn with me to Psalm 134, it's one of the shortest um, chapters in the Bible. It says, come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. So you guys see the pattern there? Come and bless the Lord. It says, bless a few times. Come and bless the Lord. Lift up your hands. Blessing the Lord. So the psalm is set in the context of, in the Old Testament, the ministers of God, the priests of God, would be on the night watch sometimes, and they would be making sure the candles didn't go out, make sure there's not a fire in the church. They would be blessing God all night, the God of heaven and earth, and lifting their hands. For some of us, the only experience we have, or maybe we've kind of given into the thinking that, it's expected that the minister lift his, lifts his hands. You might see me or Dave up here lifting our hands and say, they're the ministers. They should be lifting their hands. They, they should be doing that. But what this psalm is really calling everyone to, especially in the context of the gospel, it's saying, come along and everyone lift your hands, servants of the Lord. Lift your hands with the ministers, with the priests. It is... No lie, an intimidating thing to lift your hands, but with any spiritual expression, any relational intimacy calls for you to let go your guard and allow yourself to be vulnerable. To express ourselves and bless the Lord calls for vulnerability. And if you lift your hands, I will tell you right now, it's a vulnerable place, but it blesses God. When you clap your hands, You're being vulnerable. That's hard in Boston because we've been taught to be mafiosa. We really have been taught, don't express yourself. You're strong if you don't express yourself. You're strong if you don't show that something's impacting you. The strong are stoic. But is it different in the house of God? The strong are the ones who make themselves vulnerable. And what we really need to understand, because we're called along to worship, just like with the priests lifting our hands, we are all 
ministers unto God. We are all ministers. We are royal priesthood. Do you think yourself, think of yourself as a minister unto God to bless God? Or do you give into the thinking that just the pastors are called to do that? You know, in 1 Peter 2, 5, it says, You yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are called to offer spiritual sacrifices to God. When we lift our hands, that's a spiritual sacrifice. When we clap, that's a spiritual sacrifice. When we shout to God, that is a spiritual sacrifice. Although God of course, is the primary blesser. We all understand that, right? When people say, I'm blessed, what are they saying? They're saying God is the one who bestows blessing. He is omnipotent. He is sovereign. Every good thing in my life comes from God. He's the one who blesses. Like power comes from him. He has the authority to do that. Now, when we bless God, of course, we're not making him greater than he is. We're not making him more powerful than he is. We're not making him more loving than he is. We're recognizing that he is powerful. We're recognizing that he is loving. We're recognizing that he is compassionate. So our blessing is different. It's an adoration. It's a recognition. It's a gratitude that finds itself in expression. Does everyone understand that? Now, we all understand this in everyday life. For me, how about, I don't know if anyone else has been through this, when you stop to let someone pull out of their driveway or take a left, what do you expect them to do for their gratitude? They better recognize. They better recognize I stopped my life to let you pass by. And when they give a shout out, you feel blessed, right? Oh, they recognize I stopped everything. I'm late now. I blessed you, brother. You better recognize. There is nothing worse when a brother pulls out, just looks at you, and peels off. How do you feel? How do you feel? You feel like they should express their gratitude. I did something for them. Gratitude demands expression. You cannot be a grateful, stoic person. You cannot be a grateful person without expressing a thank you or saying something or giving a hug or recognizing. In the house of God, as worship, worshipers of God, Grateful to God for his blessing, it demands an expression of gratitude. And those expressions are found in God's parameters with lifting up our hands, clapping, and shouting at times when God compels us to. What an amazing thought, though, when you really think about that. That our expressions our actions, the responses of our hearts in our bodies can move the maker of heaven and earth because of the work of Jesus Christ? Is that an amazing thing? That what you do today, every Sunday when you gather with the people of God, that it moves the maker of the heavens and the earth, the infinite one. That is an amazing privilege that my hands lifted can bless my heavenly Father. You know, this morning, for everyone who's a dad, I'm sure you got cards, you got Happy Father's Days 
all of those kinds of things. And so I woke up and I got cards from my family and I got gifts and things they were writing and their actions, their expressions of words, it blessed my heart so much as a dad. I was just like, what you've done now has blessed me. Now, I was a good dad up to that point. When they blessed me, it didn't make me a better dad. I was what I was, whether it was good or bad or mediocre. I was what I was. But they blessed me and praised me for being a good dad, and it filled up my soul. It blessed me. Now, as Dave said earlier, when we lift up our hands to the perfect father, when we clap our hands applauding our awesome God, when we shout because whispers and normal talk won't do for our heavenly father, it blesses him in a way we can't fully comprehend, but the scriptures call us to do that, and we are made to be instruments of praise who express our worship to the father. Amen? So let's start with lifting our hands, uncover that a little bit. Like, why do we lift our hands? The first question you have to ask yourself when you lift your hands is, why are you lifting them up? Why aren't you going sideways and downward? Might seem simple, but why are we lifting our hands up? It's because the scriptures teach us and reveal to us that God is far above, seated in heavenly places, in a spiritual dimension, transcendent, sovereign, and powerful above all things. There is a realm we cannot see where God is being glorified all day by his heavenly angels, where he looks down, seated above, is all-powerful, in need of nothing, but allows us to join the angels in worship as his image bearers and express ourselves and join rightly with the worship of the cosmos. We recognize reaching up, that's where God dwells. He's high above. There's something in our DNA intrinsically that everyone looks up for help. When you reach up, right, in your culture, in your family, what do you do? You reach for where the relief is. You reach for where the help is. You reach for what will save you, what you admire, what you revere. When you reach out, you are claiming that you are the dependent being who needs God's help, who needs God's care, who has been saved by God, God, and you're hailing the king. So there's a wonderful blog I read this week that used some scripture. It says, um, it's from Joyful Heart. It said, hands express the inner man. Desperate for some response from God, David says, I stretch out my hands to thee. My soul thirsts for thee like a parched land. Hands mirror the soul stretched out to touch God. For to thee, O Lord, I lift up my soul. And I just quoted some psalms in there. When we're reaching up our hands, we're now lifting our hands. It's a reflection of what's going on in the heart. God, I need you. God, I love you. God, I adore you. I stretch out because you are everything to me. You are my treasure. And I am casting everything out aside. And I reach to the heavens because my soul is parched and I'm hungry only for you. And it's not just a one thing, time thing. I'm hungry for God every day I wake up. We are hungry in need of God every day we wake up. We are dependent creatures. We are not independent. We need God. We cry out for him. We lift up his hands and we join with the history of our people, the people of God who have lifted up, the, up their hands to the mighty heavenly father for ages since the inception of the people of God. This is not something that came up, started happening in the 80s. 
The people of God have been lifting up their hands to God, stretching out their hands to God since God called them as his people. Secondly, clapping our hands is the universal language of approval, right? Who taught you to clap your hands? I felt like you just came out of the womb just like, what you got, dog? You're just clapping. You make noise. We make noise for things we celebrate, things we revere, things we rejoice in, things we're impressed on about. We clap our hands. The people of God should be a people who clap their hands because God has done so much by blessing us every single day of our life. It's in our DNA. God made us instruments to praise him and to bless him and to adore him. You are an instrument of blessing made to glorify God. Your hands weren't primarily made to work. They were made to make noise for the king. Your voice wasn't primarily made for other things that are secondary and cool, but it was meant to lift up a shout to the king. These hands were made to lift up and revere the holy one, the only one who I hail and we hail and anyone should hail. You are an instrument to bring glory to God. That's the primary reason you were created, to bring glory to God. And when we lift our hands, when we clap, when we shout in the house of God, we bless our heavenly Father. You know, there's certain things that are so good that normal talk won't do it justice. You know it. Sometimes just, if you were like, woohoo. Yay. I'll be like, he ain't feeling that. That didn't move him that much. Woo-hoo. Woo. Something's got, woo! Man, what happened over there? Someone's being shout out like freedom from Braveheart. Something's going on over there. God must be real good. The people of God have been shouting. David would rip it up. He would lift one out. He would shout to God. Think about the biggest parades you've been to. That's how they used to go to the house of God, blowing trumpets, waving flags. Jesus is everything. People are crying out, glory. Because that's what your shouting was ultimately made for. Everything else is secondary. And use it for those things. I'd share myself. But we were made to bless God. Now, why? This is really the why do we do that. I was reading uh, through a devotional my wife this week, and as I re- recommend that it's another great small book called The Gospel Primer by Milton Vincent. And it talks about our cups, and think of your cup as life. And it t- talks about what the Bible reveals our cups should be filled with. The Bible says that our cups should be filled with the wrath of God because we've sinned against God, we've transgressed God, and we deserve punishment. Do you know that's what the Bible reveals about us? It says we are sinners. We've fallen short of the glory of God. Before he brought us into darkness, to light, our minds were at enmity with God. And every person deserves the wrath of God. We deserve to be punished for our sins. Some of us sin more, some less, but we are all great sinners. So our cup should be filled with the wrath of God. Now, through the work of Jesus, if that wrath was only just taken away and our cup was empty, and we'd given a cup, empty cup instead of a cup, of wrath, that's enough to shout for the rest of your life. But what's amazing about the gospel, it doesn't stop with the empty cup. And everyone here can attest to that. He 
not only doesn't give us what we deserve because the wrath was poured out on Jesus and Jesus took our place and lived the perfect life and atoned for our sins so we didn't have to pay for those sins, but he's filled the cup up with grace that overflows upon grace, upon grace, upon mercy, upon blessing, upon love, upon future, so that we can actually even worship God, innocent and blameless and with a clear conscience and know God because he wants to be known through Jesus. When I hear that gospel, it makes me want to shout. When I hear that gospel, it makes me want to lift my hands. When I hear that gospel, it makes everything else I clap for secondary and seem pale in comparison. Right? Someone should have just shouted, clapped, and done something. I didn't plan that, but after I said it, I said, what am I doing right here? God is worthy of our expression of praise because he's done so much for us, and he does so much for us every day. You woke up breathing with God's grace on your life and you're hearing the word of God with the hope of glory right now and you're singing his praises and you're loved by God. Can life get any better? Can life get any better? It will in heaven. That's the amazing part of it. So what I want to give us is just a few things to grow in because I know it's not easy in learning to express ourselves in worship, these spiritual disciplines that the scriptures call us to. When the scriptures say lift up your hands and the scriptures say clap your hands and the scriptures say shout. So the first thing is when we lift up our hands, everyone understands with everything that is growth. Take a gradual approach if you're really intimidated. Maybe you need that quarter raise. Just make sure you're pointing towards the heavens. Maybe you need to start like this. Maybe you need one like this. Maybe you're getting crazy and it's coming to the shoulders. Maybe you'll go with the one hitter. Maybe you go all out and say, I don't care what anyone else thinks. My God is too good to be intimidated by man who's just dust. And I lift up my hands to the maker of the heavens of the earth and the author of my salvation. Because he is worth it. And that's what these hands were made for. I need him. I need him more than yesterday. I'll need him more tomorrow. I will depend on him for all eternity. For my life and my being. And anything that is good. Secondary. Clapping your hands. Now once again. I don't expect us to be clapping every song. I don't even want us to be clapping every song. We will clap at certain songs. Of course. A little offbeat, work on it. But clapping, look for those moments. Because I hear people all the time, whether it's lifting our hands or saying amen or shouting or clapping, they come up to me after service and they say, Pastor, I almost did it today. It was so good, I almost clapped. That's how good it was. And I guess that's a compliment. (laughs) it was so good I almost lifted my hand half mass I almost shouted today just wanted you to know take that home for Sunday afternoon the reason I bring that up is because I can tell that something is going on in your hearts and I'm asking you just to respond to your hearts because God is that good and your heart is telling you the right thing when you want to rejoice in your God and don't let anyone take that away from you because you are blessing God with those things, amen? 
And sometimes it means starting to clap. I know that's scary. Will they follow? I don't know in the history of the world if I've ever seen a second person not clap when someone claps. I think they just, they didn't even wake them up. Well, all right. I don't, I don't think in the history, well, you might only get three or four, but I don't think there's ever just been one. I don't think so. One of my prou- proudest moments as a dad was when my daughter Talia was at the Galvin Middle School and they were honoring the veterans. And so the whole auditorium is filled at the Galvin with all, the whole school, fifth through eighth grade, I believe. And they were honoring the veterans and they were um, just talking about how we should do that, revering on them. And I believe it came to the end, and what happened when people were clapping, but Talia was the first one to stand up and said, this deserves more than a clap. And the whole auditorium stood, right? She started something because the veterans deserved more honor and reverence than that, and she stood up, and people realized in their hearts, I should have been standing up too to honor our veterans who were laying down their lives and leaving their families and keeping us protected. I should be doing that too, and you just might be the one who starts a clap or helps someone else lift their hands or helps someone else lift up a shelf because someone's always got to start it, so be that person because God is that good, amen? And finally, it's the scariest one of them all, shouting. It's so scary. I still remember the biggest regrets of my life is I saw Mel Gibson down the Boston Commons by the Ducklands. He was making a movie, and I stood behind the line holding me off, and Braveheart is still and always will be my favorite movie. I wept in 95, midnight, 18 St. Clair Street in Lynn. When he yelled freedom. And I said, I got to yell freedom right now to Mel. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. When will I see Mel on the Boston Commons again? And my buddy, my pal, Joe said, do it, bud. I didn't do it. Still nights I wake up in a hot sweat. I could have yelled freedom to Braveheart himself and I missed that opportunity. In a greater way, we have an opportunity every week. To shout, and I know it's not, you don't need to go 52 for 52. What I'm asking you, what the scriptures are calling to you, when the gospel moves you that good, maybe you just give a woohoo. Maybe it's an all out freedom. Maybe you just yell out the name of Jesus. I remember one of my old churches was praise him. They'd always say, praise him. Maybe it's grace, grace. That's Jeff's favorite. It's on his offering envelope, it's on his car. The grace, grace, choo choo. We do it every morning, Sunday morning. Whatever God calls you to lift up a shout sometimes, be liberated and bless your heavenly Father. And I pray that I know this is time and it it takes growth and some of you will clap for the first time in the next few weeks. Uh, Some of you will lift your hands up in the coming months and some of you shout maybe next Easter. You'll lift one up or maybe there's a baptism of someone you saw God saved their life, and you say, that's it, I'm letting it go. I'm going to shout, and I'm going to walk out the back. I'll be back back next week. (laughs) But I encourage you, most of all, the why we do that is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we bless God when we show spiritual expressions. So let's continue to grow in that as a church, because what a beautiful thing to be a family of God that blesses God, and he is what is our greatest treasure. Let's pray.